You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Well, good morning. It is uh, great to be with you. Uh, truly a privilege, and uh, God's blessed you with an amazing pastor. Love, Trent. And I remember the first time we had some discussions, our church in Orlando was meeting in a, a band a room at a local high school where our first kind of a place was. The Lord allowed us to set up shop. Our families went out to lunch after the service and just talked and prayed together about uh, planting churches and what God might do through that. And I uh, love what the Lord has done through Trent, through your body. Uh, this team has been so gracious. Thank you. We've been abundantly blessed. Um, you're blessed with Micah and this team up here. Man, um, um, can, I, can I come back, right? I mean, it's just uh, the Lord's doing great things. But we've been dear friends for a while now and excited about friendships and excited about the, the larger family that uh, we share in together that maybe you know a little bit about, maybe you don't, but uh, the Lord called our family, which is up uh, on the screen here, back to Chicago to be a part of our our larger family, Harvest Bible Fellowship. I've got five girls, and so when you think about uh, floods and stuff, the world ending, I'm like okay with that because uh, five weddings and one funeral right here, so... um, (laughs) praying about that, um, only arranging marriages, told my daughters they don't have to go to college, um, stay here, it's better here, but um, they're 17, 16, 13, 12, and 11, beautiful wife, God has blessed us, but this summer we moved back to Chicago uh, to join the staff of Harvest Bible Fellowship, which helps to oversee all of our church planting efforts, and we've got an amazing family. I had the opportunity to be a part of the second church plant. Uh, you guys, I think, were in the 30s since you were planted. Uh, about 100 plus more have started, and this year, uh, between September and December, there'll be six starting, and uh, what, what an amazing thing the Lord is doing. We, we just thought we'd do this and didn't really expect it to turn into what it has, but, but you've got relatives all around the world. We're in 13 countries, all kinds of languages and people groups, and I know you had some from your own body, a part of our team that just recently went to Nepal. And I just think that's a great way just to celebrate how we uh, cooperatively look, work for the sake of Jesus Christ. So uh, last April, that major earthquake happened in Nepal, 9,000 killed, 23,000 affected by it, Uh, uh, several of our churches. We have 10 Harvest Bible chapels in Nepal. It's crazy. Uh, You plant one and it just exploded. And so uh, from that particular need, we had the opportunity to take up a one-time offering, quarter of a million dollars, that was sent over there with this team of 19 individuals from nine different Harvest Bible chapels. And so I love the, the family effect that we can have together to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ all around the world. And, and part of my opportunity is to find more, to find more. And so if you perhaps have family in other places that might begin a small group, a core group that could become a church, if, if you perhaps have thought about maybe would the Lord use me, um, he uses crazy random people to accomplish amazing things, amen? And so uh, maybe you're a student or a high school student, uh, a college guy, uh, perhaps the Lord would put some other seed in your spirit this morning about how you might be bold for the sake of the kingdom's call. But I'd love to talk to you. Um, Find me afterwards, and let's talk about how this family might work together to to make Christ famous. But we're talking about friends, we're talking about family, and that really is all of that, the the way we would walk into this amazing passage we're going to open up together, Mark chapter 2. I can't wait for you to see it. I can't wait for you to just really be confronted with this amazing account once more, even if you've heard it before. Uh, an amazing just way that we would remember together this uh, week four, kind of a, a title for our time together, Breakthrough Lessons for Bold Believers. I love this, uh, this series you're in. I want to come back in the next four weeks. I, I'm praying for Trent, and uh, what, a, what a, a gracious way to open up God's hope for people who are wondering here in this community. But, but be bold. How exactly do we see us doing that? Bold believers for the sake of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And so you've heard a a couple prayers this morning, and I would like you just to now close your eyes and bow your heads. And you've heard prayers from the stage. I I want the prayer now to come from your seat. And so would you just open yourself up to the Lord? Would you say, God, I'm here. Would you allow my spirit and my heart to be receptive soil for the scriptures? Would would you help me move aside the, the things that are perhaps in the way? Would 
would you let me respond by faith to what takes place in these moments? So, so just offer a prayer, a simple prayer from your heart to his. Lord, I do just uh, thank you and uh, God rejoice in this place you've provided for your people to gather. Thank you for the way that you are at work in Granger and in this community. Thank you for this series and this time in life, this place and space to just be bold, to consider, God, what your word says about the, the questions confronting our culture. God, thanks. Go before them. I just pray that you would have your hand of anointing upon Trent as he uh, prepares as those that would come. And God, we just, we pause right now to pray because apart from you, we can do nothing. God, we, we pause right now to pray because you've invited us into your presence. And Lord, we know that with you, nothing would be impossible. And God, we, we pause right now because we know that God, what we want and what we need ultimately is what you say, what your will is. And so would you help us in our frailty? God, would you speak this morning in spite of the the lack of the speaker, Lord, would your word be powerfully presented? And Lord, let the, the evidence of that be not in anything that happens from the front, but God, what your spirit does and stirs within our hearts. God, thanks for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Thanks for our brothers and sisters around the world who are your hands and feet for the, the only hope uh, humanity has. And so, Lord, we we pray now, we offer ourselves now in that one name, the name of Jesus Christ, above all other names. God, might you be pleased, glorified, present, and powerful in these moments we'd share. In Jesus' name we ask it, and all God's people said, yeah. amen. Mark chapter 2, turn in your Bibles if you haven't already. Join me there, this uh, amazing account, one of 37 miracles we see the New Testament writers capturing, these times in which Jesus taught and, and he physically touched people and lives were changed. I mean, breakthrough moments were happening, but they didn't always understand it. We don't always understand it. People around us don't. And so they, they need someone. Perhaps you're one of those people who's done it already today. They need someone to help bring them into the presence and so if you have a place you're taking notes this morning, you just might want to begin with this bottom line, a, a thought. You can certainly say it in your own way. But a bottom line for the things that God might bring us about being bold today could go something like this, that bold followers get their friends in front of Jesus, in front of the gospel. That's what I believe God wants you to be, wants me to be, that goal of bold followers we're going to bring their friends before the presence of God. I mean, it ought to overwhelm you what the Lord has done. It ought to be uh, unstoppable. You remember what uh, Peter and John say, that we could not help but speaking about the things that we've seen and heard. But sometimes people see and sometimes experience, but still don't quite get it. And so you and I are going to think about how we might be those sorts of friends that bring others into the presence of Jesus in the gospel. Chapter 1, you can probably even see it there on your page, verse 27. They didn't always get it, though. It says this, as he casts out a demon from a, a desperate soul, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the people, they look on and say, who is this who the spirits are subjected to? In chapter 2, verse 7, where we'll be today, Jesus forgives a guy of his sins, and they, they want, they speculate, they, who is this who can even forgive sins? In chapter 4, you remember the scene, Jesus is out in the boat with the disciples, the storm comes up, right? They freak out, and you're sleeping? How can you sleep? But he's sleeping in the back of the boat. They hit the panic button, wake him up, and with a word, the winds die, and the sea is calm. And these people who were so close to him and with him, they said, who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? He's the one that changes everything. He is the one that makes every breakthrough possible. He is the one who allows us to be bold by his spirit, by his presence, to, to share the hope of Christ 
without fear. And in Mark chapter 4, we, we find in this account four ways that we too might model that kind of breakthrough boldness that's found us here today. Mark chapter 2, look there with me, verse 1. I'm going to create some context just as, uh, as the verse does, but it says this, verse 1, when he, being Jesus, had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home. Now, if uh, you're geographically challenged, Capernaum is on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. As you can see in the map, you might turn to the book of maps. This may be one of the only times you get to go to the back of your Bible and actually use your map. But uh, Capernaum is on the north side. Uh, The Sea of Galilee, about 13 miles north to south, at its widest, 8 miles side to side. And Jesus went to this place called, as you saw in the text, home. It really, we learn in Mark 129, was Peter's home. And... uh, It's where they hung out, though. When they were done with a hard day or had been out on their itinerant stuff, they'd come back, settle down, put their feet up in this place. For the first time in my life, I had this summer to actually go to uh, Israel. And uh, and so a couple weeks ago, I was in Capernaum. And right over um, Peter's house, there's a church that's been built. For those of us who slept during history class, right, Constantine was a guy whose mom, uh, Helena, uh, became a follower of Jesus Christ. And Helena asked her son Constantine, the, the ruler of the empire, to make Christian faith the faith of the empire. And she went to the Holy Lands and went to all these sacred sites and really almost did everyone put up a, a church. And so in the middle of this massive church is this plexiglass circle where you can look down into the partially excavated home that they believe is probably Peter's living place. Now, whether it was or wasn't uh, doesn't so much matter. The, the truth is what happened here, not the stones, but it maybe looked like this, a house that had a lower level, stairs up to an upper level of maybe a, a thatch roof or, or some uh, pottery or ceramic that created the top. You might dry fruit out there. You might hang your clothes up to dry out there. You might come up there and sip a nice cup of dark coffee and watch the sunset, right? I mean, that was the place that they came. It was was home. But just because it was home didn't mean it was kind of that sacred space that nobody else invaded your time in the Jewish home and custom. If if you're receiving guests, you just kind of let the door open and people had the freedom to come and go. So here they are at home and notice no, no TV, no Twitter, no Facebook, No Instagram, no Doodly Hinkle. You haven't even heard of that one, right? No LinkedIn, no Foursquare. But they heard. He's here. Did you hear? Did you go get your friends? He's here. Who's here? Jesus. He's here. Yeah, he's back home. Go grab everybody. Tell them. I mean, word was spreading all around. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. Look at the text, verse 2. It was a thing. And many were gathered together. Well, how many exactly? Well, so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And so, again, the custom, standing room only, all these people, doors open, you're welcomed in. But here's what I love, and here's what I hope and pray that you would love, is what, what is he doing exactly? He's gathered a crowd. Now what do you do? You do some tricks? No, you share some truth. Look at the text. And he was speaking the word to them. We like to think, man, it would be, I would love to have been there to see some of these phenomenal miracles. But here is his main deal to get the message out. He was speaking the word to them. You might just even write down in your notes kind of Harvest Hallmark passages, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And it says, Jesus was going through all the villages and towns and teaching, teaching them the word. Because the word is what sets people free. The word has the power, not, not the person that speaks. It is the word. And that, that is a concept that ought to just blow your mind. Because in the beginning, Genesis 1-3, God spoke. He spoke words. And out of nothing, everything came into being that is. But we didn't, we didn't really get it. And so those words spoken by prophets actually became flesh. John chapter 1. The word became flesh and walked among us. And Revelation 19, in the very end of the book, it says that he's going to come again riding on a white horse. And on his thigh is written a name. And the name is the word of God. So Jesus is the word in flesh. Jesus is speaking the word. 
John 17, 17 says, sanctify them, which is the Bible's word for change. How does somebody change? How, how can I change all the stupid stuff I keep doing? How does someone sanctify them, change them in the truth? Your word is truth. Jesus, after being tempted in the wilderness 40 days without food and water, don't you think he had to have a little hunger hanging, you know, right? I mean, he was a little hungry. I mean, right now, even me talking about hunger, oh, hunger. What did I have for breakfast or not have for breakfast? What am I having for lunch? Where are we going? Who's going to go with us? Do we need a reservation? Will the line be long? I can't wait. My mouth is watering. Hunger. Dude, there's all kinds of rocks here. Just turn one into a loaf of bread. Nobody needs to know. It's not a big deal. You've been out here for 40 days. Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I mean, that is the food for our soul that changes our lives. On this uh, little voyage this weekend, I took uh, my two eldest daughters to Cedarville and uh, looking at schools. And the school I went to as a college kid had this phrase they love to hold up that all truth is God's truth, which I believe. So two plus two is, tell me, four. That's true. Is that true, everybody? That's true. So that's truth, but, but not all truth is God's word. God's word is the thing that he has promised will not return void. It is the thing that has supernatural power. It is the presence of God Almighty. And so Jesus, as we would expect then, look, speaking the word to them. That's why your Bible's open. That's why this is Harvest Bible Chapel. That's why I believe God will have favor and bless what we're doing because we are about exalting him, not ourselves. His book, his plans, his will. That's when the breakthrough happens. And here's the first point. Friends make a difference in that. And when I say friends, I'm saying you. (laughs) You. Friends make a difference in the plans of Almighty God. Breakthrough opportunities when we're bold. Look at the text now. Verse 3. So there are many gathered so that there was no longer room, not, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them, and, and they came. They. This is the they that we want to focus on this morning. They. This odd group of people that had this bold, unusual belief. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And so into this overcrowded first century room came these five friends desperate, doing anything they could to find a cure for their crippled buddy. Now true, we don't, we don't know how far they've come. It does not tell us that. Did they come from down the street? Was it five miles away? Was it a village that took them half a day's journey to get to? Uh, how long had they been friends? Did they just meet? Were they like in line at KFC and like, hey, did you see that guy outside with the cup? Maybe we should do something about that. Yeah, great idea. So a little sanctified imagination, if you'd allow me. I don't, I don't think so. I think they've known each other for a long time. Maybe they were on the junior high running team cross country together. I, I don't know. Maybe they were on a football team together. Maybe they were in debate class together. Uh, maybe they were, you know, whatever, rock cutting. And maybe that's where it happened. Maybe they were five friends and there's a lot of stone that they quarry in Jerusalem. In fact, in the city of Jerusalem, you, you cannot make a building without Jerusalem's stone, they call it. There's no glass. There's, it's all stone. But maybe they were out there one day, and there was a, a wagon that was loaded with just two, one too many, and it fell over, and this guy got it, and it, it, it crippled him. But, it, but here are these friends. Here's this story of what they went through to bring this guy together. Now, I'm going to throw myself with the rest of the guys under the bus. Like, when's, when's the last time you can think of seeing some guys together to think through how do we get after finding hope and healing for a friend? So I'm thinking, you know, I saw on, uh, on Facebook uh, this large pictures of guys gathered in a room all with their laptops open. You know what they're doing? They're playing fantasy football. Ooh, right? Let's pull out from preschool our imagination caps and put them on and pretend we're a coach and pretend we have a team and, and let's pick it and go OCD on it and, and pour money into it. and Really? Okay, so I've played before. I'm just getting that out there. I'm, I'm not only the president of the hair club, I'm also a recipient. Um, but these guys, I would just say, guys, these guys were different. These guys were different. 
a different kind of head of his household, a different kind of husband, a different kind of uh, father. These guys were different. But sometimes friends say stuff, do stuff just to help another brother out, right? So I'm just trying to do that, trying to model that to you. You might just uh, think through some of this, just some helpful counsel. Friends make a difference. This is, this is called the bulletproof vest. This is what you wear if you don't want to get killed by a bullet. Thanks, Thanks, Joel. Appreciate that. Okay, here's the second thing. This is, a, this is a life vest. This is what you wear in the water if you don't want to drown. Great word. I mean, people, do, people go under all the time. Where was your life vest? I should have had it. Exactly. I'm just sharing that with you. Here's the third. This is called a sweater vest. <laughs> Guys, this is what you wear if you don't want to date. Okay? <laughs> this will protect you from women. All right? So just, just a brother helping a brother out. You're welcome. You're welcome. Here's the question. What kind of friend am I? How would you be described or characterized by the friends uh, that are in your life, in your circle, at your office? What kind of friend am I? Maybe just to help us drill down a bit more on that, we might just inventory maybe some questions together today. Do I I seek to bring out God's best in others even if it means they will outshine me? No, really, you do it and, and let me help you and Is there anything else you need? Do I do unto others as I would have them do unto me? Do I make sacrifices for others or only make expectations of them? How come they didn't do that? How come they didn't invite me? How come they didn't? Listen, stop looking at the other side of the relational equation. Start focusing on yours. Don't make expectations of other people. Offer sacrifices. Throw seed. Be a blessing. And trust God for the return and whatever increase he would deem appropriate. Do I create opportunities or obstacles for others? Question for those of you in the workplace. Many of us are 40, 60, 70 hours of your week, a light for the gospel, we hope. But sometimes Christians are an example of the truth and sometimes they're the excuse for why people don't come to the truth, right? Opportunities or obstacles for others. Do I believe the best of my friends? Do I open up my life to my friends? Do I challenge my friends when necessary? Do I remain constant and consistent in my friendships? Do I pray regularly for my friends? That one always just has a way of kicking me in the rear end, right? I mean, how often and who and, and who do you know confidently is praying regularly for you? I mean, what would that be like if that was a, that was a mark established and firm in the way that we operate towards one another. Our small groups, our, our family members, do I lead them toward Jesus? Listen, bold believers bring friends in front of Jesus and the gospel. That's the point. What kind of friend am I? One last thought for you if you're ready. Just go ahead and say I'm ready. Friends who believe boldly in Christ. You remember from the text, tell me, how, how many guys brought this paralytic? How many was it again? Four. So four of a kind beats a full house. Wait for it. Okay. All right. Move on, right? Move on, brother. Be bold. That was a bold risk there. Uh, some of you with me. Some of you are like, whatever. Bold breakthroughs. Number one, friends make a difference. Number two, breakthrough. Frustrations are normal. Look at verse 4. They got there, all this work though, being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet. I think uh, many of you are using the extra special version. I'm using the New American Super Bible. Um, But yours, I think, says bed. Mine says pallet uh, on which the paralytic, the, the man, was lying. What's your point? My point is that there are frustrations and they're normal. They're a part of it. Lots of times we come up to the difficulties and we somehow discern that maybe this is not God's plan because it's challenging. Now, sometimes that is perhaps part of his plan. It's, it's an obstacle that he has put in your way to redirect you. But, but many times I think we, we get to the challenge and we just check out of it instead of going forward and going through it. And so he had a bed, he had a pallet, and look, hey, we just happen to have one up here. And so uh, we're going to just maybe live out and put ourselves again in that place and think through what was it like. So, so here's our, our pallet. 
and uh, I'm looking for a paralyzed guy. I found him right here, <laughs> arms crossed, just uh, dormant here, but he's going to walk, walk. I ask you to walk and get up there on the, on the pallet, go ahead and lay down, and then I need some strapping young men. I see one, I see two, I see three, I see four. Come on, look how young you are. All right. So you guys come up here. There's a handle for each of you. Our victim right now is praying. Now, remember, lift with your back and don't bend your knees. Right, there you go. Up you go. Okay. You're just staying right there for a second. So, so part of the opportunity we have is just to jump back into that exact scene. And so here's maybe what it was like. Four guys who've talked together, who've made a plan. How do we get in there? What are we going to do? And as you think about how long do they travel, I'm not exactly sure, but... Okay, so he's using two hands. He's using two hands. And how long would you hold your friend before your, your shoulder right here start? Like, pass the ibuprofen. The, what, what's Advil, right? What's Advil? So, blisters, Probably. Soreness and shoulders, probably. I mean, this is difficult. And then, and then to get there, and we've come all this way, and, and, and there's no room. These guys were not going to take no for an answer. We're going to find a way. We're going to find a way. It is that important. We're going to be bold. And so these guys are going to be bold. And what's your, what's your name, brother? James. James. It's a very good Bible name, right? <laughs> So they're going to carry James down the stairs and to the back door and then hopefully set him down, all right? So are you praying, right? Go ahead, guys. Two little guys are still using two hands, right? Let's give her hand to our thespians today, right? But so there was some acting. There was some taking your faith and taking it live, taking it public. It was a challenge. It was difficult. That's the point. It's maybe fun to see it perhaps expressed in that way, but, but that's really what's happening here. If we were to kind of go back in, in time, we uh, would be tempted to, to make it some kind of fancy Mission Impossible thing. The music starts, you know, bump, 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 bump. What are we going to do? There's no room. Let's scale the top. Let's get our suction cups on. Let's zzz, the guy in, you know, bounces over the floor. And look at the text here. They, they're not going to take no for an answer. I love that persevering, bold spirit. Let's go up the stairs. Let's see if there's a way in up there. There's, not, there's no door up there. We'll make one. I is bold, right? Bold. When they had dug an opening, how long did it take to dig an opening? They let down the pallet or the bed. I mean, it's not a, we're not talking about just a little, you know, two by two. To get that whole pallet down and, and to have enough rope to, to actually just allow it to go down, allow it to go down. I mean, this is a deal. This is a big moment. It was a breakthrough moment was not easy so a stretcher size hole big breakthrough on many levels and as the drama gets dialed up right that they're interrupting Jesus they're, they're interrupting the Messiah and again I can't help but think what this would have been like had it happened here and now right I mean this would have been uh, call 911 pain this is like I mean there would have been uh, personal injury lawyers on the site immediately right well he destroyed my home and the home invasion and and there would have been somebody, right? In this day, there would have been, oh, my eye. I got, a, I got a something in my eye. I mean, there would have been lawsuits and surgeries and workers' comp. I mean, really, right? I mean, and what were you thinking if you were in that crowd that day? And like I'm talking right here, and all of a sudden, a hole starts to open up a little bit. And like, is he going to stop? Is he going to do anything? Or is he just going on through this, right? And then, and then the specks fall and the sunlight's coming through and you can see all the particles in the sunlight and it's dusty. And Question for you. Question they had to answer. What's in your way? What's in your way? Because uh, for some, 
the difficulties do drive us away. For some, it is the suffering, in fact, that stops us, that suggests to us that God doesn't care because if he did care, there wouldn't be this problem, there wouldn't be this pain. He would have prevented our friend from... So I'd love just to pause there for a moment and to just think with you through what that might look like. If God truly loved us, there would be no evil and pain. He would, he would stop all of that. Okay, let's say he stops a shooter in Oregon. What, what has to happen? For, for the action to stop, well, God would have to get ahead of the game and stop the planning of the action. To stop the planning of the action, you would have to get ahead of that and stop even the thought of it that, that leads down a path of evil or destruction. And to change or control all the thoughts means what then? If you want to remove the world of all evil, ultimately, God has to turn all of us into robots. Truly and practically, that's what we're saying when we say there shouldn't be evil. Well, there shouldn't be, and God didn't create a world with evil. That was our choice. I'm the boss of me. I'm going to do it my own way. Great garden. I've got a better plan. And so we walk out on our own way. But God's grace, some of us walk back. He desires that none should perish. But as we sometimes say, God has created a world where a few would willingly choose to come and worship instead of a world where everyone was compelled and forced to it. Now, ultimately, we know in Philippians that every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess Jesus. But until that time, God uses bold brothers and sisters who say, Jesus loves you. God died in your place that you might live forever. He's provided a solution to the struggles, to the sin. What's what's in my way? Friends matter. You matter. And God's plans. Frustrations are normal. Frustrations are normal. Did I tell you this story about my, my wife's parents? Did I tell you that already? So my, my wife, when, when her folks got married, um, dad was Catholic, mom was Jewish. When they got married, both families abandoned them. And then um, no faith really to speak of in the house. They were religious, but not really in here kind of thing, just up here kind of thing. And Jill was invited by a friend to a backyard Bible study at the age of eight. And so truly, literally, uh, Jesus on a felt flannel graph is, is how my wife came to Christ. And she, she understood it. It was clear. Uh, she, she saw and experienced her need and what the Savior had done for her. She got saved. And she went back home and told her mom and dad. And like any good parent, like, what did you do to my daughter? And so they go over to these friends' house and and they shared the, the story of what Christ has done for us through the gospel of John, true story. And, and mom and dad got saved. They came to Christ. And so an eight-year-old girl, invited by a neighbor, comes to Jesus. Parents come to Jesus. Family comes to Christ. An amazing thing, that small group started into a, a church plant when church plants weren't even really a thing and is the church and was the pastor that ultimately married my wife and I. I mean, God, God works because friends matter and do even weird things. Would you come? Frustrations are gonna be normal. And number three, be bold. This third breakthrough is that forgiveness is primary. That in some ways is the point of the passage. But look at verse five now with me again. And Jesus seeing their, what does it say? Jesus seeing their, their faith. So all the stuff we've just looked at for a long time, Guys talking about what they can do for their buddy, trying to figure out how to get in front of Jesus, taking him on a stretcher, seeing the room was too crowded to get in, marching up to the roof, creating a bit, all that. Take all of that and put that in a bucket. And over that bucket, write faith. Faith demonstrating itself through love. Faith that is active. Faith that doesn't simply hear the word, but, but does the word, living it out because of the love that's been shown us, we would show to others. Jesus, look at the text, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, eyes locked on eyes, can you see it? Can you put yourself there in that moment? Son, you 
your sins are forgiven. But maybe if I was one of those guys who had been, time out, hold on a second. I don't, I don't know if you saw that the guy's in a, in a pal. Like that's the whole reason we came through. We couldn't, he couldn't walk. Like that's why we're here. Sometimes that's how kind of we deal with God. Like, now hold on a second. I came to you with this problem. I want the problem fixed first. And, but Jesus is reminding us really what the main subject always is, and it's what's in here, not what's out here, right? I mean, you can have the perfect body, but it ain't going to last. You can change your diet, but ashes to ashes, we all fall down, right? But God gives us something that outlasts this life, and he gives us something that we're not always asking for or we don't always see as the primary need. Moms and dads, you remember this? When we had babies, you have this thing, and true, we affectionately called it Ned. <laughs> Honey, go get Ned, right? Your little infant has a stuffy nose. The sinuses get trapped with boogers up there, and um, you, you depress the little bulb. You shove it up their nose. You let it go, and it... <laughs> right out of there, right? And, and your kids love it, don't they love it? They laugh and laugh and do it again. No. They're like, what are you doing? I thought you loved me. And they don't get it. But you do it anyway because you love them, because you know you want them to, to breathe clearly. Jesus, I'm telling you, trying to plead with you and love that Jesus is going to do stuff for us that is the most important stuff, but perhaps not always the things we see as top on the list. Thinking through, how do, you, how do you communicate the love of God for his children, for you? And how would you communicate that to somebody else? How would you demonstrate that? You probably heard this story. It was all over the news before and during and after. But two brothers, Chad and Ryan Arnold, made the news because Chad suffered from a rare liver disease, was on a liver transplant transplant list for 10 years and he doesn't look like he was going to make it there wasn't going to be a liver available before his life was gone beautiful families from both of them his brother said uh, we're not just I'm giving you part of mine and so Ryan Ryan gave 60% of his liver to his brother and within three days of that surgery Ryan passed away. So here's a, here's a healthy brother who would not take no for an answer. What would I not do for somebody I love like you, my brother? I will give you part of me that you would have life. And through that death, life was given to another. I mean, that is the gospel. Jesus Christ, a perfect life given in our place lovingly for the joy set before him endured the cross and its shame died that we might have life but here's what uh, was written in the journal a couple days afterwards chad writes this I i missed you today ryan it hurt so much i felt like my heart had blisters on it god why do we need death to reawaken what we should already know Suffering is like a pile of rocks. You can choose to carry the load, throw them at someone, just let it lay there, or you can build an altar. So Chad's, Chad's built an altar. You know, you hear about this kind of survivor's remorse or survivor's guilt and the psychology of being the one in his spot that is living and his brother is gone. How do you deal with that? You live. You get rid of the guilt. Some of you have a hard time receiving what is the primary point of this section, this passage, this message, which is forgiveness. Because you might be held hostage by this thing that the world says or pop psychology presses into our minds that, well, I can't forgive myself. I can't forgive myself for what I've done. Or I can't understand that he would actually forgive me. Well, listen, I'm, I'm in love telling you the Bible never says ever any place you've got to forgive yourself. That's man-centered, and that, that diminishes the glory of the gospel, which says that's exactly what you need that you cannot give to yourself. 1 John 1, 9 says that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't forgive yourself. Receive forgiveness from him. 
and offer that to others. That is the, the primary point of this message, and it's amazing. It's overwhelming. It's staggering. and gives them hope. Question, have I received Jesus' forgiveness, and do I offer it to others? Have you received forgiveness? Have you set aside your religious attempts to, to get to God or to prove yourself worthy? You're not, but he is. And he says, come. Would you put aside maybe some of the struggles and the pain and the things that have provided a lot of challenges to you? I was sexually abused as a, as a kid. There's alcohol addiction in my family. Listen, I got a whole list of stuff that Satan could have said, yeah, you're, you're done. You're on the side. Bench it, buddy. But God is able. And those things ought not to stand in the way of the glory of what God has done through Jesus Christ for you. Have you received forgiveness? And have you offered forgiveness? A couple weeks ago, there was somebody that I got sideways with a while ago, and I just really felt convicted that I needed to reach out to them. I was the recipient of the wrong, but I, I just sent, a, I sent an email out and just said, listen, if, if I did anything in that, I'd love to hear you uh, describe it, and I want to ask for your forgiveness. And I haven't heard back. It's forgiveness. And oddly, our world is recognizing how important this principle is. What do you mean exactly? Well, Scientific study has uh, revealed Stanford University has actually started a forgiveness project. Huh. University of Wisconsin has the Dr. Robert Enright Forgiveness Institute. The Templeton Foundation has established the Campaign for Forgiveness Research, granting over $5 million to 60 different studies. What? What? It's forgiveness. Because people have realized brain chemistry changes when there is unrepentance or unforgiveness. Stomach ulcers, uh, acid reflux, uh, pains and tightness and soreness and heart palp, all of it could be changed. One doctor says, I believe 70% of all ailments could be cured if we only learned how to forgive. Have you, have you read the Bible? <laughs> Have you heard about Jesus Christ? Have you heard what he gives as our ultimate need? We receive forgiveness and offer it to others. And that's a bold breakthrough. You're forgiven. I'm not worthy, but you're forgiven. I'm not really that guy, but you're forgiven. You are that guy. Bold breakthroughs. Friends matter. What kind of friend are you? Frustrations are natural. What's in your way? Forgiveness comes first. That is primary. That's the point of this passage. Have you received it? Do you offer it? Maybe there's somebody this afternoon you just need to get right with. And breakthrough number four, be bold. Fruits got to be visible. Those guys demonstrated faith by what they did. Look at verse six now. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts so the, the scribes are, are the, like the teachers of the day. It's like the seminary profs or the, the Bible teachers or whatever, the, the pastors of the day. We're sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming because who can forgive sins but God alone? Ding, right? Dude, that's the point. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus forgave sins. He is God alone, right? That is the point. He is who he says he is. Some sit in a service like this one at this crowded room. Uh, some sit in here in a crowded room wondering, hanging out on a Sunday like this, reasoning and resisting instead of receiving what God has given. Jesus take them, takes them back. He knows exactly, look at the text, verse 8. He knows what they're thinking. That would have been weird to live there with Jesus walking around knowing what you're thinking. Wait, didn't Pastor Micah just say God's the same yesterday and today for... Shoot, he knows what I'm thinking right now, right? I mean, x-ray Jesus on the job, immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit, that they're reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, you are for, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. 
So which is easier? Well, words are cheap, right? It would be a whole lot easier just to say it. How would you know? Mm, Just say it. But so that, listen, people in this crowded room, so that you'll know, look at the text. Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So five people shared Christ with boldness this week, and five people responded and said, I believe. I mean, we, we ought to be able to have so many God at Work videos on the screen that there wasn't even time for a message because you, not jobs, were all out there being bold about the gospel, and people were like, yes, I accept you do, right? Yes. We do. Boldness. Question. Are you praying? I mean, what a prayer for a church. God, we, we want to be able to pray. We have never seen anything like this. People all over are wondering, what do you do about those four topics that Pastor Trent's going to be teaching on? A creation, a homosexuality, a gay marriage, a hell, judgment. And you know your pastor well enough to know that he, he loves the flock. He's going to be faithful to God's word in a gracious way, bringing together truth and love. He will present that. Hey, how about asking somebody? Being bold. You can come for one, you can come for four, but our pastor is going to be addressing some of these hot topics that are going on. Maybe you'd want to come in here. Do you know that statistically speaking, and this isn't necessarily the Holy Spirit, but statistically speaking, uh, George Barna has uh, done his homework and found that 84% of those people that are invited to church actually come. High percentage or low percentage? High, right? That's a lot of people that say, okay. And I would just encourage you, challenge you, plead with you. Who is in your circle at work, family, friends, It's an amazing, bold, and breakthrough opportunity. God is bringing this body of Christ through. It's exciting. It's amazing. And God will hear those prayers because that it is hard to to reach the lost, to heal hearts and other things too. So why don't you just take a moment, if you would, and just bow your head and close your eyes and, and just use a moment now as we not just gather up our things, but gather up our thoughts. What, is, what has God been placing on your heart this morning? In a time where the Lord is walking you through and teaching you about boldness, the bold followers get their friends in front of the gospel. Friends matter. So we saw James on the pallet as you're just seeing in your mind's eye and just praying and listening to the Lord whose face would be there for you. It's a family member or somebody you work with. So when we see and talk right about being paralyzed, we're not just talking about the physical stuff. We're talking about people who are emotionally, spiritually, whatever, relationally, they're paralyzed. They're stuck. Bold friends bring others into the presence of Jesus. Friends matter. You're one of them. Frustrations are normal. So some of those frustrations are really our our fears. What will they say and they won't like me and it'll be hard, maybe. The room is full. They had to call an audible. They had to go up the stairs and dig for a bit. It's all right. Just pray, God, if if it's difficult, I know you'll be there. In my weakness, you're strong. 
You use crooked sticks to draw straight lines. God, thanks for being awesome. Is there an obstacle for you right now? It's so easy to get caught up in the, the details, the amazing event that's happening and the, the dust dropping down, but really the, the point, right, the, the point of the passage is that forgiveness was, was the most important thing. They needed to hear about, they needed to receive. Have you accepted the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ alone? It's the gospel, the good news. And are you sharing it? I mean, it is the most important message on planet Earth. The life, the ministry, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ at divide time, right? A.D., B.C. When you write a check, when you send an email, that date is when one life changed all others. Forgiveness and fruit. You'll know them by their love. You'll know them because they don't just hear the word, but they're faithful doers of the word. And so this church family is really embracing a word called bold. I'm praying that the Lord would allow you to step out by faith, even in uncomfortable ways, with grace and love and the hope of Jesus Christ. John 15, 8 says that you would bear much more fruit and so prove to be his disciples. It's harvest, right? That's harvest. It's plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers for his harvest. Last thought and then I'm done, but let's say there are 500 people in this room. Let's say half of you share with somebody that's 250. Say half of those, which is less than 84%, say yes, I, I receive the gospel. 125 people, let's say that 125 added to the 500, now 625. Half of those people go out and half of those people respond. I mean, exponential growth for the glory of God is possible through this random church in a cornfield called Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Amazing. God, you are good. You are awesome. God, who are we that you would do what you have done? Thank you. And God, might you allow our hearts to be overcome and overwhelmed with grace and thanksgiving. And Lord, the reality and soberness at the same time of eternal things. God, would you allow these next four weeks to be precious and powerful? And just pray again for the anointing upon Pastor Trent as he prepares and we as your hands and feet as we would invite people as friends who bring others in front of the gospel and of Jesus and of these, uh, these topics that are so important in this time. God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for dying for us. Thanks for living within us. Might we be bold for your sake, we ask in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen.